life, and it's ending one minute at a time. I was blind, but now I see. Working jobs we hate, so we can buy shit we don't need. Ideas are brutal. If you had one shot, everything I'd ever read, heard, seen was now organized and available. Now you fucking khakis. Life moves pretty fast. The Biohacking Secret Show. Mika Michelle, welcome to the Biohacking Secret Show. Thank you. It's great to be here. We are going to talk about sexual wellness, sexual trauma, Bill Gates. But before we get into the fun stuff and perhaps sprinkle sprinkle a dash of conspiracies into this big pot and mix it up with a wooden spoon, uh, can you tell us a little bit of your backstory and how you got into the sexual wellness space? Yeah, definitely. Well, um, growing up was... um... How do I say this? A fairly traumatic uh, childhood I had. I was uh, in and out of foster homes and juvenile detention centers, um, things like that. And as well as I was prescribed 90 milligrams of Adderall as a teenager. So like that's enough to kill a donkey. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was taking two 30s in the morning and another another 30 at 2 p.m. Yeah. So just complete disconnection from my body altogether. Um, and then as oh. well as some sexual trauma, I lost my virginity to rape at 15. Oh, so I just kind of wow. had like the whole gamut of uh, trauma and then also just medication disconnecting me from my body. So I actually didn't have my first orgasm of any kind at all until I was 28 years old. Like, I, not even with myself. I thought I was asexual until about 26. Um, A shitload of Adderall do that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> among other things. So I just kind of had like I, the I, I asked guys in. back in the day, I was like, does your dick work if you take Adderall? And they're like, yeah, it's fine. I'm like, okay, because mine does not at all. And yeah. yeah, well, for some people, it like amplifies their... Right. There. And for some people, it just absolutely cuts it off. So nope. it's just it's, a just I, a I dead fleshy appendage what... for me if I take a whole shitload of Adderall. <laughs> right. And I was thinking 90 milligrams a day. Oh, my gosh. Know? I can't. I mean, there has to be a female equivalent to that. Right. Like, you, what is it? You can't get wet or something and you don't yeah, want to have there was sex. Just, there was. Exactly. There was zero libido. There was zero connection to any of it. And also just like having like a pretty traumatized life. I was just sort of, thankfully, I feel like the idea of having a, a mediocre life was simply not in the cards for me. And it was either like I was going to do a ton of personal growth and like have an epic life or I was going to end up in prison or dead. Like the, mid mm. the middle path was not an option I had. What would you have gone to prison for? I mean, who knows? <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure it could have been creative. But yeah, just like once you get in the system as a kid, that's what that's what I learned is like once you're in the system as a kid, you're on probation. It's like it's so easy for them to keep finding reasons to locking for locking you up, even if you've done virtually nothing. You uh -huh. know? Yeah. So so essentially, I found personal growth at a super young age, thankfully, and started really nerding out on sexuality. like doing reading books on tantra all of these different things going to play parties really just trying to like understand sexuality because i just simply didn't have access to mine at all i'm gonna and need then, you to explain play party at some point it doesn't have to be now but 
<laughs> Perfect. We'll get to there. <laughs> it's really fun. Um, but yeah, eventually I found EFT, emotional freedom technique. The tapping, um, it's right? one of my primary, yeah, tapping. It's one of my primary healing modalities. And I started nerding out on that, like taking month-long teacher trainings. And mm. eventually, oh, because what I forgot to mention was this this disconnection with my body. I also didn't get my cycle regularly until I was 28. So I essentially like went through puberty at 28 years old. Lot that's that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. So, so essentially, um, once I started realizing like, okay, maybe there's an actual connection between the trauma that I've been through and my complete lack of sexuality. And I started, uh, nerding out on healing my, my traumas just all. And it's funny because it's not even just like sexual trauma, just all of the trauma in general, general that had me not trust the ability to surrender to someone, not trust other people. Mm-hmm. Because especially for a woman, an orgasm is essentially surrender. So if you mm-hmm. don't have trust in the universe, in other people, it will be very difficult to surrender. So eventually, I was able to unlock my orgasm and, um, it, you know, things just unfolded naturally and I started helping people with it. And uh, I still kind of pinch myself some days because for so long, I was like, I guess I'll just not ever have sex then. Like, Mm-hmm. Okay. And I'm like, every now and then I'm like, do I really teach people sexuality now? Is that what happened? <laughs> <laughs> it could have gone a lot of different directions. It could have gone the jail route, the route it went. Yep. You could have mm-hmm. started accumulating many, many cats <laughs> and had a nice, yeah, you know? a, a nice life where the children talk about the witch with a lot of cats. <laughs> no, I'm just yeah. kidding. Um, right. <laughs> so this is, I mean, I'm fascinated by this too, because I, I talk a lot with people in part about so at one of our men's events i had hired i brought in a yoga instructor i taught yoga for years but i didn't want to teach it at our event i just wanted to be able to do it with everybody so i brought in a yoga instructor and we were in florida down by the water and rolled out our mats and still like sleep in our eyes and everything and i had been trying to put my finger on something that was bothering me in my own journey and something that was a sticking point and i couldn't really articulate it and she said that right at the beginning of the class, she said, the longest journey that any of us have to take is from our head to our heart. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, it hit me like a lightning bolt. And I realized all these fucking stimulants, the Adderall, everything like that, it just moves you up into your head and you can be a good little worker bee that does tasks, but you're not creative. You're not tuned in. You're moving so fast. You're a shitty receiver of the bio information that's all around us. And it's only when we sort of create distance between ourselves and those stimulants and start to unwind our trauma that keeps us so uh, tight and tense and unable to pick up on this information and and really slow the fuck down that we can start making that journey. And for me, it's a a daily practice. It's still very easy for me to get up into my head. But yeah, like Adderall, yeah. especially at that type of dose for a girl. I've seen so many times where they women can't orgasm, they can't enjoy sex. And so I'm mentioning that just for some of the people and that that might be on that path. It's like if you're taking a ton of modafinil or Adderall or Vivance or anything like that, yes, it can help you get tasks done. But if you're also struggling with creativity and heart-centered, purpose-driven work and connecting with other people, it might be interfering. Yeah, no, because life is so much more than a task to accomplish. And, yeah. you know, with from that baseline, 
Exactly. I remember um, this was probably like six years ago, a good friend of mine who he he runs a lot of like successful businesses. So he takes Adderall from time to time. And I, I remember him, um, we were just chatting about like, oh, I, you know, I used to be on a lot. And I told him what I, and his jaw just dropped. And he was like, Mika, if I take more than five milligrams of Adderall, I have my assistant handle all of my interpersonal relationship type communication for the day because I know I can't trust myself to have any level of emotional connection if yeah. I've taken more than five milligrams of Adderall. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, wow, like go as a teenager going through puberty, I was taking 90. You it's know? Like, fucking wow. criminal. It's fucking criminal. And there's a part of me that this is not my business at all, but I would like, I would want to reach out to that doctor and be like, what the fuck were you thinking? My friend that, mm-hmm. that I was thinking about when we were talking about this, she had the same thing. It was like 70 to 90 milligrams and she's tiny now. I'm like, mm-hmm. what, what were you like when you were seven? Right. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's criminal. And I don't know if there are doctors listening to this, but I'm sure they're not the type that are prescribing that. So I don't know, but I, yeah. I think there needs to be when, accountability with this stuff. There needs to be human. And, and I don't give a fuck if it's protocol in some book. You, people need to start, including doctors, need to think for themselves and not just follow the protocols. Otherwise, they're a little fucking lemming serving potentially evil masters. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I remember I when I moved to that. California and I had to get a new California doctor. So I like brought in my empty Adderall bottle. And I was like, Hey, I need like a new prescription. And he looks at it and he's like, is this a joke? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, no, what do you, what do you mean? And he was like, this is ridiculous. Like what, what is going on here? You know, like he mm-hmm. was very upset. So he kind of had the same uh, input as you. What, what changed at 28? Um, I would say, well, first I would say something changed at 26 where I started to like be able to enjoy myself in the area of sexuality, but there still wasn't like, there wasn't the ability to surrender. There wasn't the trust yet in mm-hmm. myself, in other people. And so I would say it, like, people always ask like, oh, what was your first orgasm? Like, was it like super lightning bolts or something? And honestly, no, it wasn't. It was like a very slow process of like and it was with my own it was with myself like my self-pleasure practice just got better and better and then I remember after what I was like thinking like oh was that was that an orgasm did I just have one like I genuinely didn't even know what it felt like so it was like I was like oh wow I might I might be getting there you know and then it was just we're gonna count it course. we're gonna count that for sure yeah right <laughs> that's basically I wish I could say that it was like some life altering experience, but it was really like slowly over the course of a few weeks, realizing like, oh, I think this is it. I think I'm I think I'm getting there and then just trusting and surrendering more and more and more. And I mean, now I've thankfully gotten to very uh, ridiculous places of like seeing fractals during orgasm and stuff. But like, it wasn't like, I didn't have a really impressive first orgasm. People always ask me that, unfortunately, no. <laughs> right, right. Okay. So if let's say there's someone listening or someone that has someone in their life that is on the path that you were on, high amounts of Adderall, feeling disconnected from their body, perhaps sexual trauma too. Um, what were some of those things that like, so you started a self-pleasure practice mm-hmm. that started at 26? It started more regularly at 26. I mean, I had tried here and there, but honestly, like usually a self-pleasure practice just had me feeling like broken and defeated. 
because mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, oh, this doesn't work. And I mean, I had like hired a sexual de-armoring master that was like certain he was going to be able to make like I had tried everything. And after every that guy sounds like, creepy. Yeah, yeah yeah in, in the kidding. end i would I, I would agree i'm a sexual I mean, de-armoring are, master it's like what no there are amazing sexual de-armoring um facilitators i highly yeah. um definitely commend the practice i would not say that i picked very effectively oh, okay. <laughs> personally right. but um but yeah, it was just like after everything I would try that didn't work, it just kind of left me feeling more broken and defeated. And so it was kind of like at, at some point I just kind of gave up and was like, all right, maybe I'm just never going to enjoy sex. So let's just make sure every other area of my life is super epic. So then I started doing the EFT practice more to heal all of my different traumas, like mm. just from from my childhood and from just life. You know, we all have traumas. And so I just kind of gave up on the focus on trying to make the sexuality thing shift. And I started shifting into focusing on just creating healing within myself to just be an embodied person and it seemed like kind of shifting that focus to being like okay maybe the sexuality thing isn't going to work I'm not going to try to force it let's just work on healing and that created a lot of spaciousness within Mm. me you know interesting and for for our listeners who may not be familiar with like EFT or tapping um I know Dr. Mercola at least had a pretty good training on it with (laughs) With, with a woman. And I'm going to ask you about your process specifically for trauma, because this is something that if someone recognizes that they have trauma in their life, this is something that empowers them to deal with it, at least in part on their own, which I think is quite empowering and, and kind of gets rid of the need to postpone. Oh, I got to find somebody. And, and, and this is not. So you're tapping different parts of your body and Maybe you can, you'll explain it better than I am because you're an expert. I've only done it a number of times and sometimes I just mix it in with breath work and, you know, so it's a little bit laissez-faire. You have much more experience. Yeah. Well, yeah, but actually that's, I mean, I would say at this point, uh, one of my colleagues, because I still get regular EFT sessions um, every other week, actually. And so for deeper stuff, it is it is helpful. Like EFT is amazing and you can do it on yourself. There's a number of points. You could look at them online, find the mm-hmm. EFT points. And then like the very, very basic form of EFT is what's called a love and acceptance sandwich. So it's sort of like let's let's use let's pretend that we're using it on something as like simple as a headache because what's fascinating about EFT is you can use it on almost anything physical stuff back pain headache breakup um deep-seated personal trauma it's it's fairly useful across the board but so it's essentially even caused by drinking too much wine the night before yeah even though I drank too much wine last night and now I have a headache (laughs) <laughs> I'm open to loving and accepting myself. You Interesting. Know? That's um, cool. It was actually one of my friends. She was like, what do I do if my head is throbbing? I drank wine last night and I keep telling myself I'm not going to do that. And I guess because I get migraines the next day. And uh, I was like, I don't. Yeah, I, well, I honestly, a bunch of water. it's like it's like getting getting rid of the resistance to it is one of the I mean, they've taught that in spiritual teachings forever, right? Mm-hmm. Like um, pain minus resistance or pain plus resistance equals suffering, essentially. Mm-hmm. So it's like, even though I have this headache, I love and accept myself. I have this headache because I drank too much wine last night. I freaking know better. And I'm open to loving and accepting myself, 
even though I know better and I chose to make this stupid mistake again. <laughs> you mm. know what I mean? I like so that. you can just I'll... kind of like go into freestyling, but it's essentially even though, and then insert whatever the thing you're working on is, I love and accept myself. Or if that's not true, because it's very important that it lands as true in your body mm. and nervous system, then I'm open to loving and accepting myself. So that's very like, cool. that's like the most very basic framework of EFT. Um, I feel like for deep seated traumas and stuff, you can, you could try that for sure, but it's very helpful to have someone. I mean, I've been doing EFT for like well over a decade. I still have someone work on my issues for me, mm. <laughs> like, or with, with me, but you know what I mean? Because I, no matter how good I am at EFT and I'm really good at it, I do not have the proper vantage point to fix myself because I'm the one who created my problem. You're like, it's like that, like <laughs> yeah. you can't read the label when you're inside the jar type situation. Exactly. Exactly. So I actually had just a super uh, profound session the other day. So um, okay. yeah, I love the work. I continue to receive the work, but I also give myself sessions all the time as well. So it's just like, you can definitely heal headaches and stuff like that. You can empower yourself. I sort of wake up every day and give myself a little 11 minute tap on just how I want my day to go. But for mm. deep-seated stuff, certainly I would recommend all the listeners try it. There's tons of YouTube videos that can be supportive and it can also be supportive to get yourself um, some outside help as well. If someone, one of our listeners is looking for outside help, how do they find someone that's good? Um, I mean, I would say you can check out their stuff. I mean, depending on if it's part of what I do, so they could hit me up if they want to. But outside of me, I would say like there's a ton of people that post their videos on YouTube. I would say uh, Jennifer Partridge is is cool. I've uh, she's one of my colleagues. I've done trainings with her. Um, she has a lot of stuff on YouTube. Uh, Sonia Sophia, Nick Ortner. So there's tons of like cool um, people who really have a lot of content on YouTube that you can then try out for yourself and see if you kind of jive with that person. And if they jive with you, they can go to MikaMichelle.com, M-I-C-A-M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E.com and do a session with you and you can guide them through from outside the jar and they're in the jar. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they can, they can hit me up on my website. My website is uh, more focused to my group program right now, but or my Instagram would probably be a better way to chat with me about, about that because my website is more focused on my group program right now. And your IG is Awakened Sexuality? Is yeah, awakened past tense sexuality. Sexual. I started writing that in my notes and then didn't finish it. But um, all right, awakened sexuality. Awesome, <laughs> awesome. Um, I had one other thing too around. Did you taper down your Adderall dosage leading yeah, like the twenty six yeah, well, to twenty eight no. period? No, I wouldn't say I tapered down. I would say that actually, more accurately, what I did was quit cold turkey on the side of a mountain in Portugal to go to my first ayahuasca ceremony. Yeah. Oh, okay. When was that? <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, <laughs> I would like to say I was smart enough to taper down but I wasn't <laughs> um, um that was in 2012 okay and how old were you in 2012 uh geez I was I guess 24 25 okay so this was leading up all right and so yeah. did you get yeah, back on so it was... or did you stay off of it yeah, funny story. So I quit 10 days before the first ayahuasca ceremony, went into a 10-day dieta in Spain, um, which was, I mean, I was obviously having massive withdrawal symptoms and just feeling horrible. And then ayahuasca, like if they had been proper facilitators, they would have never let me in. Like 10 days off of Adderall, I should not have been sitting with ayahuasca. That's ridiculous. <laughs> um, but whatever, I it, it 
didn't kill me. So that's cool. Um, but essentially the medicine like didn't show up for me at all, like mm. barely at all. And I remember one night in ceremony and I've never taken less than three cups of ayahuasca. I didn't feel almost anything. And I remember one night being like angry at her and being like, I am going through literal hell right now to meet you. And you're not even showing up for me. What is going on? And she essentially lightly kind of told me like, Hey, your, um, your body's too toxic. You've needed to get off that for so long. And like, you're on the right path, stay off of it, but you're literally too toxic. I can't show up for you right now. You know, it was essentially her, um, her assessment. And then uh, from there, it was like there was a split in the path and I could have went south and went to Morocco on like this spiritual trajectory. And somehow I ended up going north back to Barcelona and hanging out with people I had met at Boom Festival. And then I found myself in Ibiza. Um, and essentially I was like, wow, I'm wasting all this time sleeping and eating, which are two things I've never had to do before. And I'm in <laughs> Ibiza. So like, what a waste of time this is. And so I started taking my Adderall again. And the next day I crashed a scooter so hard that it was like worse than all of my sport bike crashes combined. And I was like completely incapacitated. So the universe kind of. Yeah. So then I went to a permaculture farm. My friend owns a permaculture farm in France and he actually like sent me a message on Facebook. And I always remember this. I knew him from couch surfing and we had just became really close friends and like stayed in touch because I hosted him a bunch in San Diego. And he was like, Mika, the universe has been telling you to slow down since before we met. Are you finally ready to listen? Because he saw the scooter crash. And I was like, I don't know, I guess maybe. And he was like, come to my farm. Like, I'll help you heal. Like, we, we got to get you through this. And so I went to that farm in France and quit Adderall cold turkey again, but like actually stayed, stayed off. Wow. And then, I mean, was it, what was your experience like the second time when you're at the permaculture farm? And because I mean, I know people that take 20 to 40 milligrams a day and they feel like they can't function in their business without it. Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, thankfully at the time I was just uh, traveling and not really like I didn't have a lot of work that I needed to do and I was completely crippled anyway. So there really wasn't much I could do. So it was it was hard to tell, like, is it that I have no energy because I am off of Adderall and detoxing or because I am completely covered in road rash and healing, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. It's like, it's because all my body's energy is going to like fixing itself yeah yeah but it was it was cool though because i i got to do uh essentially i just decided to do a raw food cleanse where i didn't eat anything i didn't pick and his family mm. was so supportive and sweet and it's like i would just sit under a fig tree and just like eat figs you know <laughs> <laughs> like um so so yeah that was that it probably would have a greater success rate than most of these detox clinics for drugs that are a fucking scam in a lot of cases, mm -hmm. you know, they're just buddy, buddy with insurance companies and everything they do is nonsense and they don't use shit that actually works. Anyway, I'm not trying to be all just negative here, but that's their, no, their success mean, you're, rates are you're pretty, absolutely pretty abysmal. Right. You're absolutely right. And I, I get it because I was in and out of like uh, treatment centers when I was a kid for like smoking weed, but mostly mm -hmm. just because, you know, probation has. So I've, I've I've been on the inside of the system and it is designed to keep you in the system. 
hundred percent designed to keep you stuck. Like even when you would leave these placements as like a 15 year old kid, you're leaving a, a juvie facility and the sna- staff, some of them are nice, but some of them will just be snarky and will literally like laugh at you as you're leaving and be like, see you soon. You know, it's just designed to kind of get you stuck. Mm-hmm. So I fully agree. <laughs> there, there was a um, hilarious meme that I saw the other day and it, it made me, I might not be able to find it, but it was like, it was like me trying to explain to my friends that the world is ran by like a bunch of fucking Satanists. And then it's like, it shows like my friends and it's like this woman under the bed, like pulling the comforter up to her, her face. And she's making this like, but it's true. Yeah. <laughs> Most of yeah. the industries are literally ran by Satanists and they want people stuck. They want people addicted to drugs. They want people, they want to, they, they, they want to take away genders and mutilate genitals and all sorts of sick fucking shit. And that's not me being negative. That's having a, I believe better map of the world than people that haven't seen that yet, you know? And, um, and, and I saw the system, the shit with the system too, when I was in, I was looking for land in 2020 and, um, I was like, well, Illinois is like most of the people, their minds are captured. I don't want to be here if they pull this shit again or if it gets worse. So I found land in North Carolina and I was going down there and camping, primitive camping. And I was on my way back home and I had doctor prescribed legally purchased medical cannabis. Scott pulls out behind me, starts riding my ass. I'm, I'm on like a windy mountain road. I was going probably 42. And He's riding my ass. So I start speeding up because I'm like, well, am I going too slow? Like, because I was like, I'm going 42. So I start going faster. He pulls me over and he goes, do you have any idea why I pulled you over? And I'm like, no. And he goes, you were going 47 in a 50. And I'm like, I only got up to 47 because you were on my ass. He's like, don't give me that. Anyway, calls a, a bunch of other cops. So now there's three cops. Wait, 47 in a 50. So because I'm you sorry, were going 40, 47 in a 40, 47 in a 40. Okay. And um, I misspoke. Then he he calls up a bunch of cops. So now there's three cops behind me. They ask if they could search my car. This is where I fucked up. I said yes, because I didn't think I had anything illegal in my car. And I thought it would get me out of there faster. They turned my car inside out, found some legally purchased doctor prescribed medical cannabis. And it cost me $15,000, multiple trips down to Tennessee. And I'm like, this is like, I have a prescription for this in Florida. And he goes, you don't in Tennessee. I'm like, how am I supposed to get from North Carolina to Chicago? You know what I mean? And um, it turned into this huge thing. The judge was a giant asshole. And like, I was like, I'm representing myself. I tried to do that at first. He was just screaming at me in the courtroom. <laughs> and uh, wow, it, they made it ridiculous. And, and, and that was a, 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 that and a number of other occurrences has sort of shown me a different side of the system where I'm like, this isn't even what I think it is. It's not, yeah. it's not about no, justice it's, in a lot of ways. It's about it, control and keeping people in the system and some of the things that you mentioned. Oh, a hundred percent it is. And I mean, yeah, it gets, I mean, it depends on how deep we want to go into the conspiracy rabbit holes, but yeah, I, I agree. That's like, it's, it seems to be, things seem to be run by um, a lot of evil. And I remember, but before that was like a cool narrative, like back in 2017, one of my exes who, um, who uh, worked a lot with ayahuasca, like a lot. And I remember him telling me, like, he comes home one day and he's like, 
babe, the world is run by like uh, reptilian Satanists. And I was like, okay, or like, you know, maybe we could just like, maybe not sit this week. You know, <laughs> like I was. Maybe you've had enough ayahuasca <laughs> for a little bit, huh? <laughs> you want to go to Tahoe? Yeah. So- <laughs> <laughs> so I was kind of like, let's let's dial it back a little. And and now I'm like, oh, he was just ahead of the curve. Look at that. You know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. we'll see. We'll see. Nothing is nothing would surprise me at this point. I don't go too deep into any because for me, honestly, I enjoy living a good life. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoy happiness and joy. Mm-hmm. And so I found that when I go down to, when I go too deep and like during, during lockdown and all that stuff, I went pretty deep into some rabbit holes and I found like a lot of it sound like landed for me as if it was true. And I was like, this isn't making me any happier. I know I don't have any control over fixing this, whether it's true or not. Like it's not bringing me joy to continually, um, so I kind of had to dial back what I was learning, not because I didn't think it was true, but because I was like, oh, wow, this is like affecting my quality of life. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and just to kind of round out that, like, I don't, I, I've said I've never knowingly seen a, a reptilian or anything like that. I don't even know, like, whatever. I, I have yeah. asked certain people, like one of my clients is, was a really accomplished psychic and she did remote viewing and all that sort of thing. And so we were talking one day and I was like, okay, all this like reptilian talk. I'm like, have you ever seen a reptilian? And she was like, I think once she's, she, so she worked like a high level, um, government job and was, was actually interviewing for another position. And she said she was sitting in the interview and something didn't feel right with the guy. And she said in a moment, she saw his eyes blink, but it was like sideways. It was like a film came over real quick and back and she saw it. And this terrible fear came over her body. And she was like, don't let him know, you know, like, don't let it keep your mind blank. Don't let him know, you know. And then she's like, I got, I finished the interview and got the fuck out of there. She's like, that's the only time that I think I knowingly saw something like that, but I personally haven't, I don't, I don't know. You know what I mean? So for, for our listeners, they're like, what the fuck? That's, I I honestly don't know. And I think there's that that's, it's that way with a lot of things we can't know. Right. So then you do Mm -hmm. have to decide if you're prioritizing peace and love and joy and compassion, it kind of requires you focus on the things that you can control that's that are within your, your sphere of influence. And, um, and and yeah, staying positive and, and loving and enjoying your life. We're all, we're all gonna die somehow anyway. So, yeah, you might as um, well go out doing doing your thing if you're gonna go out. Yeah, I mean, I have lived a, a fairly ridiculous life, and I mean, I can't count the number of times where where it's like, oh, that that should have been the end. <laughs> like, okay, cool. Like, I've I've been saved here. Like, mm-hmm. th- thank you, universe. Something wants me here. The modern man is devolving and at a rapid pace. Men today have an average IQ that's eight points lower than they were just 20 years ago. Men today are 50% more likely to be depressed compared to just 20 years ago, are 300% more likely to be obese compared to just 60 years ago, have sperm counts that are 62% lower than they were just 50 years ago and have testosterone levels that are about 50% lower than they were just 20 years ago. 
But the reality is that it doesn't have to be this way. Your manhood, your strength, your power, your energy, your focus, all of these things are within your control. And you just need to recognize that all over the world, there are people that are curing cancer. There are people that are overcoming heart disease. Diabetes is a choice if you have the right tools at your disposal. But if you are one of the men that does not want to follow this pattern and you want to take control of this stuff, you want to have control over your body and mind, then I encourage you to go to biohackercoaching.com, fill out the short form, grab a time to talk with myself or someone from our team. Everything that we do is 100% guaranteed. If you're not absolutely thrilled with the results that you get, I don't want your money, I'll give it back. If you don't get a return, meaning if you don't make more money as a result of us working together because of greater energy, greater health, greater, greater focus, greater mental clarity, thinking faster, working smarter, getting more done in less time, then I don't want your money. So it's no risk to you. I appreciate you guys so much. Thank you for being a part of the Biohacking Secrets family. Thank you for supporting this podcast. If you want to level up, go to biohackercoaching.com. Thank you. I find it interesting. I'm very spiritual. I wouldn't consider myself religious at all because I feel like the religious establishment is, um, oh. at least at its origin, was the governing body of society. And the Vatican's so got like a these. giant fucking snake in the Pope's cathedral. Like it's obviously demonic. Yeah, hundred percent. That's why I I don't really have. I mean, I got myself thrown out of confirmation class when I was a kid, um, so that I wouldn't have to be a part of that, which was fascinating and easy and um, mm -hmm. quite fun. But I feel like I believe that I definitely believe in God. I just don't necessarily think that I'm separate from God. I don't think mm -hmm. that any of anyone I've ever met is separate from God. Um, and I don't like to follow these religions like the Catholic religion. It's like you were born guilty of original sin. You're 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 born bad. Your whole life is a sin like you don't celebrate your faith. You mourn it every week. Yeah. You know, it's just um, so it's I, very, it's I, very dark. Obvi obviously, I was baptized Catholic. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but, me too. but but now it's it's like I, I have a really deep relationship with God, goddess, the universe, source, uh, whatever you want to call it. I just I don't believe that it's separate from me. And sometimes people people ask me, like, well, how do you talk to God? How do you talk to the universe? And for me, I'm kind of like however you're going to do it that makes it fun for you because mm -hmm. if you if you believe you need to father the, you know and mm -hmm. pray the rosary and just feel like you're worthless and hoping that god will one day yeah. forgive you for the sin of being born you yeah. know that's super disempowering but for me i talk to my angels and my spirit team it's like i call them my a team and i'm just like mm -hmm. hey guys what's up like if i'm late to something and driving fast they'll be like Hey, A team, what's going on? Like, I probably need you guys on your toes right now. Like, let's go. You know? Is Mr. T on your A team? <laughs> <laughs> probably. <laughs> you know what I mean? I've decided to make my relationship with whatever created me something that's fun and inspires me and brings me joy. You know? Absolutely. I don't know what it is. I think that, you know, I called it God. And I think it wants us, it, it's it's like always there but we disconnect ourselves sometimes and sometimes the church disconnects us right and 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 whatever but um i think that it wants an open dialogue with us 100%. and i think it's okay with the fact that whether whether we call it god or we call it universe you know some people get all bent out of shape but if like if you're talking to it 
and you're establishing that communication with it and you want to make your life better and you're like, hey, what do you want me to do while I'm here? You know, I'd like to do that. And I think it'll be better if I do, you know, then that's it, you know, and and a bunch of people probably get bent out of shape about this, but that's okay. And I I know so many women who like an ex-girlfriend, she had massive Catholic guilt around sex. It was like a big thing for her. And, Uh and she often, I mean, she would tell me like, I have a lot of stuff from my childhood in church wrapped around sex and, and, and bundled up with it, you know, and that's another thing that just another thing to add to the list to unwind and probably something you see a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I know that that was very intentional because back in the day, the governing body was the church. And I believe wholeheartedly and I've experienced it in my own life as well as in countless of my clients lives that your connection to your sexual energy is what gives you far more power than literally anything else Mm -hmm. I mean I had done infinite amounts of personal growth and like unlocking my orgasm did way more for me in three months than like the previous decade of personal growth you know Mm -hmm. um that's like and how so Tim Ferriss not... pitched pitched ayahuasca to to the world, <laughs> right? More or less, right? But I mean, so of course they they want to keep us disconnected from our power because it's really hard to control people who mm-hmm. know that they in fact are God, you know, and who have experienced viscerally seeing the fractal of God in their partner during sex, or you know, like really tapping into that. What is what is sexual energy but creative life force energy? It's what created all of us. Mm-hmm. And so when you actually have a relationship with your sexuality that empowers you and inspires you. You don't fall for the nonsense. You don't believe this disempowering, oh, you need to confess your sins and you're guilty. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not. <laughs> like, absolutely yeah. not. And mm-hmm. it's very hard to control a population that's actually connected to their sexual energy. So mm-hmm. that's why I believe that sex was so demonized and, oh, it's a huge sin. Why would you believe that it is a sin to enjoy the body that God gave you? Like, how does that mm-hmm. make sense? Mm-hmm. You know? Um, yeah. But I understand because I grew up Catholic and it's it's very um, it's it's a belief that keeps people uh, easy to control. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know? for sure. I, I, I'm going to ask you in a moment about some of the ways that people can do that and start strengthening that sexual energy and that connection. And I wish I'd seen a fractal during sex. I've never seen a fractal during sex. I'd like to do that at some point. <laughs> um, <laughs> You'll get but, there. Uh, yeah. Or maybe, we'll, you know, let's do that now. It's kind of, I, I think that for men and women. Um, what, see fractals during sex now? Yeah. How do we see fractals during sex? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I would like to put this to work tonight. <laughs> no. Um, all right. No, I'm going to ask you about methods for men and women in just a moment. The, the one thing that I, I wanted to kind of touch on too is, um, you know, what? I don't want to go there yet. Take it away. I, I'm thinking about how to phrase this and whether I want to take the conversation there. Talk about the strategy. Talk about the strategy for unlocking your sexual energy, unlocking sexual energy. And like, what are some ways to do that? Um, Do you feel the one thing I wrestle with a little bit is I was way too casual with sex. Okay. So I was like a virgin until I was 19. I thought I wanted to wait till I was married. And so Mm -hmm. I avoided and, you know, was just like, no, I'm going to wait till I'm married. And then I got to college. I'm like, fucking impossible. There's no way I could do it, you know? And so then I was too casual with sex and whatever. Um, 
And then I started realizing that a lot of times when I felt like that was actually sabotaging relationships where it's like when I was really, really young, I wanted to have sex as soon as possible. And then, so I figured out how to do that. And then I started doing that. And then I realized that was actually sabotaging the relationships that I wanted to have. So now I'm kind of trying to reconcile. And, and so I've been like much more selective with who I share my energy with now. Mm -hmm. And I'm even thinking if I meet someone that has potential to be a life partner that I might want to intentionally be like, no, we're not doing that for a while until we really know that we love each other on a friend level and like that type of have that first. That's what mm -hmm. I'm feeling in my heart right now. And I've, I've been talking about that with one of my friends too, that's um, been experiencing something similar. So I also need help rec reconciling that with whatever you're about to share and the partner practice side of the things. I also don't watch porn because I think that makes you weak. Um, so yeah. I'm, I'm not going to like, I'm, 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 I'm just, I have, I'm not the type of dude that lights candles and like masturbates, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, and Lion Galban had actually recommended that. And like, I tried it once and I was like, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to do this. You know what I mean? So oh. anyway, I just dumped a whole bunch of stuff on you. <laughs> Can you, like, any of that? Can, you, can you unpack any <laughs> like, of that in a, uh, in a helpful way for, for myself and our listeners who may resonate with any part of my diary of the mouth? Yeah. And it's fascinating because that's actually um, what you're talking about as far as if there's an actual potential for partnership, like long-term partnership um, waiting. That's actually something... First of all, I've been exploring myself. And second of all, I've actually been um, suggesting to clients because I do I want to say it. I will never say that there's anything inherently bad or wrong about casual sex. Um, I think as long as everyone is fully informed and being absolutely honest and upfront and very, very, very clear and in their integrity and transparent about their intentions, then sure, live your best life. Um, however, I have noticed for myself that, well, and I guess also I never really had the hoe phase that I think a lot of um, a lot of people in their lives have had a lot of my friends have had because I was already like nerding out on the sacredness of sexuality trying to figure it out before I even wanted sex I was already very deeply uh immersed in the spiritual aspect of it so then when I actually unlocked my sex drive and have now I have like a ridiculous sex drive but sex was all, always already very sacred to me so it wasn't something that I just wanted to share with anyone you know I've actually had to put effort into being more open to exploring um, because of that, because I, I already kind of believed so much in the power of sex that it I knew it wasn't something I wanted to share with just anyone. And I know that you mentioned that you don't really, um, that you don't really do the self-pleasure practice. That's one of the things that I absolutely, it's one of the top things that I suggest to my male clients is have, I mean, to all of my clients, honestly, but particularly male clients don't have as much of a relationship with their self-pleasure. And here's the deal. Like I have a Yoni egg in right now. Like I'm, I'm in it all the time, you know, what but you say? if you, I have oh, a, a Yoni, Yoni egg, egg a Yoni right, egg. Now, right All right. Now. So for our so, listeners who aren't familiar, I know what these are, but can you explain the Yoni egg? 
Um, yeah, it's an ancient practice also called a jade egg because typically they're jade. The one I'm using right now actually is jade, um, but it's an egg-shaped uh, crystal that you can insert, insert into the yoni and um, have different... You can use it for different exercises, but also just connecting with that part of the body. Like actually mm -hmm. for people who feel numb down there, it can be a really powerful practice to bring sensation into that wow. area. Okay. And then of I didn't course know that. there's that different exercises you can do. Yeah. Because essentially in the vagina, you will usually feel like if you're getting a yoni mapping session, which is when they kind of go into your yoni uh, as a clock and they like, you know, is yoni like the same facing as vagina? Up. Yes. Okay. All right. Just the Sanskrit sure. word for vagina. Oh, okay. Okay. Let's, yes. Th I want to make sure you. we weren't talking. Uh, I want to make sure I was in the same part of the map. <laughs> Perfect. And thank you. I should, I should have clarified that from the jump. Um, but yeah, essentially like 12 o'clock is in and up where your belly button is and then around the clock. And essentially uh, you will go in and feel for, there's usually three things. It's either numbness, pain, or pleasure. Those are the things that you'll, and, and there's so much emotion stored in the vagina as well. So a yoni egg practice can be really powerful in starting to uh, be able to release that. And I think that having a self-pleasure practice for, uh, I would say, I mean, it's hard to say, I'm not going to say it's more important for men or more important for women. I would say it's super important for literally everyone because otherwise you come to sex like a beggar. You know what I mean? Mm. If you're not taking care of yourself, at a level that is extremely satisfying and can bring you to like deeper levels of insight and orgasm and like just full body surrender, then you, you're essentially dependent on someone else. So you're coming to sex like a beggar, you know, and you're not able to have as high of standards because you need something outside of yourself to be able to fulfill your sexual needs, you know? So having mm -hmm. a super powerful self-pleasure practice within yourself that is your dedicated time with you and i mean this is one thing that i think couples often like yes if you're in partnership still having your own dedicated self-pleasure practice that does not involve your partner and one of my favorite practices is to and it works super well for men with erectile dysfunction as well is to engage with a self-pleasure practice but if orgasm is let's call it a 10 get yourself up to an eight and mm. then channel that energy up into your body and then you can so for me it used to work like if I was resisting doing something saying they're like writing a page for my website or so, whatever I'm in resistance to doing then a really fun exercise is like okay cool I will do my self-pleasure practice get myself up to an eight channel that energy up, use that creative life force energy I've just generated to do whatever it is I need to do on my to-do list that I'm resisting. And then it's it's sort of the, the reward afterwards. It's like, okay, once I'm done, I can go back into my self-pleasure practice and go all the way. But so it's sort what of a like productivity a productivity hack. It, it super is like I use it for the gym and then it's really fun because you're walking into the gym like I'm, so turned I on. masturbate to almost orgasm before anything I need to get done <laughs> no that's I awesome mean, yeah no, I like it I like it I, I do I did before this call you know it's... that's fantastic and I I like that a lot too I had um there was a chapter in the biohackers guide where I was going to write about tantra and I had actually gone to see a Tantra practitioner that my friend had, had worked with this is in like 2015 and it was actually two sisters, but I only met one of them. And 
she would take you through that process of like certain types of breath work and ascending your energy. You're not having sex with her or anything like that. Like she's not a prostitute. And, um, but I thought at the time it was, it was too much to explain in a book. And I was like, I'm going to get way too judged for this. And I just end up throwing the chapter away and not doing it, but it was incredibly helpful. And even my friend, I, we, we had dinner recently and he had, um, he almost died with all the convid and the radiation poisoning and everything that was going on. Um, and he had just started, he's getting his health back and everything. And he's like, I feel so blocked up in, in, you know, he's like, I don't, I don't understand the chakras fully, but he's like, I feel like all my chakras are fucking blocked up. And so he went and saw her for a weekend and they worked together. They did not have sex. You know, they just worked together on some of these different Tantra practices. And he's like, I saw him and I'm like, you look incredible. He's like, she unblocked me. She unblocked everything. And he was like, it was amazing. And it was exactly what my body needed to heal and get back. And he honestly was glowing, you know, at, at dinner. So I like that. And, um, cause my, w- once I like made the decision, okay, porn is like a mind weapon. I can feel uh-huh. it. I notice my energy is lower. I notice my vibe is lower. I'm not fucking with it. Then it became, I'm going to wait until I get so horny. I It's like distracting me. And then I'm just going to masturbate and get myself back to baseline and then continue on with life. And that's probably not the move. Um, <laughs> I mean, avoiding porn is a very, like celebrate that aspect of it. I would say that's a huge win because porn, I think, um again i try not to paint broad strokes it's possible to use porn somewhat intentionally i guess kind of i don't think it's a a positive in almost anyone's life um i would say there's there's apps but this is more this works primarily i think more for women you could try it um there's an app called actually i really dislike dipsy um but there are plenty of apps online i think one of them is guided by glow but so far it's not available on it's only available to apple users guided um, by glow guided by glow is one of them there's uh fernley is i believe one of them Dipsy is is the one that I have the most experience with. And it's cool. Like at first I appreciated it because what it is, is essentially it's an erotic novels app. So they have, um, they have you, um, essentially they'll read to you erotic and you can select like British accent or Irish. You can select what type of, um, scenario you want threesomes, um, bondage, whatever. You can select the type of uh, sexual experience you want. And then it's, and then you can, some of them, it's like, he. I, oh, there's one, one that I like the most is like a vampire story. <laughs> so there's, or there's, there's, oh, Quentin actually. Um, <laughs> so you're, so, oh, I wish I remembered the Twilight. I know the werewolf was Jacob. Who is the, the vampire in Twilight? Edward. I Edward. All right. I was like, so you're more yeah. of an Edward. Yeah. The joke would have been funnier. Um, if I could in this, his name was Nicholas, I will okay. say. All right. That's my brother's name. <laughs> but, but yeah, essentially, um, I think that's really fun. So I'll, if I'm, if I'm not able to like self-generate, if I'm feeling low energy, cause it takes something to like yes. really, cause I mean, I like put out a sarong and make a crystal grid around my bed and light candles and incense and like mm-hmm. put on music and do the thing, you know? And sometimes you have to have uh, shortcuts because you don't always have time to dedicate two hours to your self-pleasure practice, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. 
And so in in those times, I think these uh, like these erotic novels apps can be helpful. My problem, my main problem with Dipsy is that essentially it's like the stories are roughly a maximum of 15 minutes. And in that 15 minute time, they will meet, they will have whatever dialogue that they have. Mm -hmm. They will have, it's literally like 10 to 30 seconds of foreplay. And then she's always like, I'm so wet, do me. Ah." And then (laughs) the sex lasts like two minutes and somehow they're both satisfied. And I'm like, this is horrible. Mm -hmm. And it is it is programming people to be okay with absolutely mediocre would be would be way too kind of a way to uh, describe that level of sex. So mm-hmm. I've literally written to the app like five times and been like, I want to be able to recommend your app to my clients. Get it together. Like wh- who in what world is two minutes of sex, you know, something that women will celebrate, you know, sure. A quickie yeah. here and there, but that is not that is not the baseline you know very cool i've i do um i like that i like the idea of listening to something and then using your own visual centers to Mm -hmm. imagine it that was when when i first cut off the porn and i remember i was in florida so this is either 2019 or 2020 i was sort of starting a self-pleasure practice and i remember i was like i'm like i can't like picture it like laying in the bedroom, I'm just like, I'm not picturing it. What is going on? And that in that moment, I realized that the porn was actually fucking up my visual center, my imagination and my ability to picture it. And it made me more committed to, and then I actually needed for that period, I needed to stay with it until I could imagine it on my own. And it did come back. Mm-hmm. But if if there are any guys listening, like I wanted to share that part of my experience because I remember the first time I was like, oh God, this is bad. I don't, my imagination and my visual center has been compromised by relying on fast food pornography, basically, mm-hmm. you know, for this, yeah. for this sexual experience. And it, and it does come back. So I like the idea of listening, but then picturing it yourself. And like you said, you're getting some of, maybe you're a little lower energy. You're getting some of that energy from the novel but then you still need to do some of the work yourself. It's it's kind of yeah. like for a guy being on bottom. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I guess you could I guess you could call it that more or less. But yeah, I love that you I love that you brought up the the situation with porn because porn is like one of the huge uh huge factor in erectile dysfunction mm-hmm. for yeah. so, for a variety of different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um and it gets because just like anything else, it's an addiction and eventually you need more and more of it. So, so many men can maybe start with, I don't know what you would call regular porn, but eventually that isn't stimulating enough. So then it needs to be kinkier and kinkier and weirder and weirder. And I'm not trying to yuck anybody's yum. I'm very kink positive. Everybody should live their best life and do whatever stuff you want with consenting people. However, I feel like If you need to watch porn or for the people who are in the process of quitting porn, at a very minimum, as you get yourself off, the start watching, dial it back, get yourself more to the level of porn that is potential for the sex that you could be having. You know, the average person, it is unlikely that there is going to be uh, two twin college sisters that just break down your door and want to have sex with you. Um, You know, these orgies. Well, you know, never happened. The average person, we both know you're not that. Oh, um, I thank you. 
But you know what I mean? I'm saying uh, yeah. a lot of people get to a level where then the 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 stimulus their brain is used to is so outside of what is possible for them to create that a literal, actual, beautiful, naked woman in front of them in real life who wants to have sex with them is no longer enough to cause arousal for them because they have literally like blown that out of their of their brain and gotten themselves addicted to such outlandish things in porn that actual beautiful naked woman in front of you doesn't do it anymore, you mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. And then also the way that most men self-pleasure, I think can be very um, detrimental to yeah. being a good lover. Because like super rushed and then you quick nut. Exactly. You train yourself to quick nut. I don't know from exactly. experience, but I heard from a friend. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Most men don't like celebrate their self-pleasure practice. It's almost yeah. something they're a little bit ashamed of. Like for me, I'm like, oh, this is me time. Like phone is off. Like the next two hours are all about me, like probably taking a bath first, whatever. Um, I feel like men, it's more of like, oh, I'm so horny. I'm distracted. So I guess I'm just going to like rub one out quick so that I can. It's mm. not something that they're proud of. There's a level of shame involved with it. So they're training their body to ejaculate super quickly as well as the the level of pressure they're using is mm -hmm. stronger than the average vagina no is ever going to be able to be <laughs> yeah. I, I tried to use but yeah so there's there's so many ways that um porn is sort of like sucking the the sexual power from people and creating all different forms of disconnection and sexual dysfunction mm -hmm. it is a time where i feel like men and women especially men though men are being attacked or at least have options in every direction and if you are a disciplined man and you cut the porn and that sort of thing it's almost like your status raises just by way of everyone else that's on a nosedive because they have no discipline they're seeking comfort they're just doing whatever's fucking easy and I think a lot of the guys listening to this have an amazing opportunity to, you know, build build a, a a connection with a higher power that I call God, universe, whatever you want to call it. You know, eat the right food, train, work out, do hard shit. It, it's like build a business, do good work, don't watch porn. You know, and you're just naturally going to position yourself in such an amazing way. Well, a lot of humanity is on a plane that's you know, it's on its way down. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure that applies for women. I just see it more with men. So I didn't mean to exclude women there. I, I've just noticed a lot of it with, with guys, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think also, um, dating app culture has created a huge oh, issue for men. I mean, it's created a huge issue for literally everyone. However, um, because of it, there's an extraordinary opportunity for men because so many men these days are absolutely terrified to just approach a woman in real life because she hasn't swiped right yet, you know? And so mm. being a, a man that simply just has the balls to walk up to a woman and approach her in real life sets you apart. Oh, yeah, the yeah. amount of times I've been on, like it's happened 
repeatedly that there's someone that I'm talking to on an app. And I mean, I look exactly like my photos. I'm not like, it's very easy to recognize me um, in real life, right? I'm not Mm -hmm. using filters or anything in my dating app profile. And so many times I was at the farmer's market with a guy or I was uh, with myself and I was looking at crystals. And then I noticed a guy I'm talking to in one of these apps is like at the same crystal table as me. And he makes eye contact with me. And so I just kind of wait to like... I love when men are in their masculine. I really love letting men lead. So I just kind of waited to see if he was going to say anything. And he didn't. He got super awkward and left. And then I get a message in the app. And then I get a message in the app that was like, hey, I think I just saw you at the farmer's market. And I was like, yeah, you did. And I'm not interested now. (laughs) You don't have the courage to talk to me in real life. You already know that I swiped right. Like we're already talking, you know? Um, and that's happened a very similar scenario to that has happened repeatedly in my life. And so it's a huge opportunity for men. You don't have to, you know, back when everyone just approached women in real life, because that was the only way to get dates. Um, Mm, you know, then it maybe was more difficult. Now, all you have to do is have the courage to talk to a woman in real life. And you've already set yourself massively apart, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I wanted to just circle back to the yoni mapping. Is this because I know a lot of women that experience pain and um, numbness and would like to experience pleasure? Mm-hmm. You mentioned this yoni mapping process. Can you tell us, like, there is this someone helping you with it? They're going in there and they're touching different areas and telling, asking you what you're feeling or how does that work? Is it something that women can seek out if if they're on the numbness and pain side of that trifecta? Yeah, definitely. So there are um, many facilitators or whatever you would like to call them um, who do that. There's a lot of really, really good high level ones. I won't say any names out loud because it may technically still be illegal. So I'm just not going to throw anyone under the bus. Um, But there are brilliant, amazing facilitators. I have assisted at facilitator trainings for this. Um, So yeah, it's it's a super powerful practice. Uh, a lot of the people who do this are women, so that can really help build trust. You know, if you're not feeling safe um, with a man, I would say most of the facilitators that I know that do this are in fact women. So that's helpful. Mm. And yeah, it's just going through and being with whatever comes up. You know, and a lot of times it'll be crying and screaming and like maybe you're gonna unlock a trauma that your body has hidden from you and your Mm -hmm. yoni has stored you know as you we learn in the book the body keeps the score you know just because you disassociate during a trauma and your brain no longer remembers it your body does you know so I would say it's a super powerful practice and you know go into it knowing that it may not be a walk in the park you know I have a scenario for you and I'm curious what your thoughts are. So I was talking with one of my friends, I won't name his name, but he had said he's he's struggling a lot in a relationship because in part, the the woman he's with, his girlfriend, similar situation to yours, she lost her virginity by being raped by her grandfather. And it's it's been a block where she does not feel safe. He'll, he'll ask her, and o- o- like almost never in a sexual situation. Sometimes she'll feel safe in life situations, but 
when even when when they're talking he'll say you know do you know that you're loved she'll say yes do you feel that you're loved yes do you feel seen do you feel heard yes 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 do you feel safe no it's been a big block in a lot of ways mm -hmm. and it's affected yeah. their growth together and he's she's also this is a part of it avidly against psychedelics of any kind including mm -hmm. molly ayahuasca anything mm -hmm. and he's at the point where he's wondering if he should just walk away because he's like i don't know if i'm willing to hold her hand and pull her through this process have you seen that or how would you approach that what would be your recommendations yeah i mean i've worked with uh unfortunately i've worked with many clients who have had similar situations in fact like incestual rape is painfully common um i've worked like with one in that four was, isn't it isn't it something crazy one in four is rape i would not say one in four is that it was a family mm. member right but unfortunately okay. yeah it's one in four is yeah. rape um i mean i would say she really has to do the the work whether it's it, psychedelics are not required certainly um i mean i think that they're extremely helpful in a lot of situations when facilitated with people who know what they're doing and really like honor the medicine and have um, the capacity to hold space powerfully. Um, but it's not required, but doing the work is, you know, I feel like, unfortunately, a lot of people are like, oh, I just need to sit in another ayahuasca ceremony. And I'm like, no, you need to do the work. You know, she's not going to heal you for you. You have to, she will show you the path you still need to walk it. Um, and so, I mean, yeah, reaching out to a skilled facilitator of of some and and must be a very very trauma informed facilitator because like I've worked with I've worked with a client who had unfortunately a very 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 similar scenario and that was one where I actually had to uh, see her in person because when we would get and and we got this all in writing I got full consent but when we would get close to the trauma she would actually go into convulsions and I would have to tap the points for her because normally in EFT obviously the the I shouldn't say obviously normally in EFT you are mirroring me you are tapping your points with your own hands mm -hmm. but she would actually go into convulsions and be unable to do oh, any of wow. that and I would have to tap the points for her um so, I mean, yeah, this, um, unfortunately those, those things are very common and it's, it's extremely important to do the work and it's, it, I mean, it's, it's tragic that that happened to her. It's tragic that that happens to so many women. And I kind of, I guess the fact that I also lost my virginity to rape gives me a little bit of an ability to say this because I feel like if, uh, if a man particularly or someone said this they would get canceled right away and i'm kind of like women you, you got to take responsibility for your rape not blame responsibility like it happened it's a part of your life now we are all a hundred percent responsible for everything that happened in our life and it does not mean that we are to blame that is in no way what i'm saying if someone takes this out of context and tries to twist it you know absolutely not it is in no way your fault able able to respond empowered yeah mm -hmm. no one is gonna no one's gonna heal it for you you have to choose to do the work you have to choose your own healing or you'll just go through life as a victim and one thing that i think is very disempowering and a lot of people don't realize they're doing this but when when you share with someone that you were raped it's often like 
they are trying to relate to you and give you empathy and sympathy. And what they inadvertently do is essentially throw you in the victim mentality. Yeah. Oh my God, I can't believe he did that to you. That wasn't your fault. It's and and like they're really trying to build you up, but on a subconscious level, they're essentially just like, you're a victim, you're a victim, you're a victim. And mm -hmm. it's it's super destructive. Mm -hmm. So, like, yes, you were victimized. No, you do not have to stay a victim, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, I like that. And it's I think it's, doing it's not your identity. Yeah. And for a lot of people, unfortunately, it is. It becomes a part of their identity. And then, you know, they just have these trust issues. And and I can relate because I spent a lot of my life there. You know, I'm not I'm not um trying to be callous about it, but it's like if you choose to do the work, it can be the greatest thing that ever happened to you. My trauma is literally I wouldn't trade it for the whole world. There's nothing I would do like there's nothing you could give me that would make me give that away because it's what gave me access to so much power. Mm -hmm. But you have to do the work. And a lot of people kind of stay stuck in that in-between because it's really comfortable to get a lot of people feeling sorry for you and telling you like, and oh, that makes good. it makes sense that you're like this. Of course, you have those problems. It's not your fault. Yeah, it's it's not your fault. You're, that is 100% correct. It is your responsibility. And you're either going to have to do the work and heal it and be even more strong on the other side or you'll be stuck for the rest of your life, you know, but at some point you have to make a choice. That's great advice. And I, to correct what I said, you have made it a part of your identity in an empowering way. You've taken your pain and transformed it into your superpower that you're now using to help people. So it's, I was referring to identity as if it's if the identity of a victim, you know, like you can't be a victor and a victim simultaneously. And if there's a part of your life where you are a victim, it is your responsibility and your ability to respond to fix that shit mm -hmm. so yeah, would she start yeah. with like trauma informed e a trauma informed eft practitioner is that is that where you would begin i mean that's the modality that i've found to be bar none greater than any other um you know and everyone resonates with what they resonate with um just for me i found eft and i was like Oh wow, this this is this works. Like I can I can feel this. I actually found it at Burning Man in 2009. Really? And I was like, oh, like this is I just knew that my life would not be the same. And that burn, I was that was my first burn. I didn't make it back to my tent most days. I made it to her EFT session every single day of the burn. Mm. And it was it was absolutely life changing. Um, so, I mean, that was that was how it landed for me and for a lot of people, because it the thing about EFT is that it actually heals on a nervous system level because like talk therapy, all of these other things can be very, very helpful. But if you're not healing on a subconscious level, essentially your subconscious mind controls 95 percent of your life. Mm -hmm. So knowing something is not all that useful. You know, how many people are obese in the world? So many. How many of those obese people know how to lose weight? Almost all of them, you know, mm -hmm. like burn more calories than you consume. The knowledge is not the issue. Talking about it is not the issue. It's bringing it into a subconscious level so that your baseline for operating is from a healed place. And mm -hmm. that's what EFT and there's, I mean, there's a few other modalities that do that. But um, I would say EFT is the one that's the most powerful that I've found. And that's probably... EMDR can also be cool. Yeah, EMDR. Okay, nice. Um, and that would be... That could happen 
in parallel with a self-pleasure practice, I would assume, but um, yeah. probably would precede the yoni egg or yoni mapping? Or can they all? I mean, I would say she's, it, it very much depends because I mean, some people, it, it depends on how she responds to that trauma. Some people uh, that I know that have had, so what I've noticed is that a lot of people who have dealt with sexual trauma or rape, um, there's two primary paths. I feel like uh, you either go down the promiscuous path or you go down the nun path. I unfortunately went down the nun path. I know so many people who had way more fun going down the promiscuous path. Um, that was not that was not available to me, uh, you know. And and I mean, of course, there's any variation. It's not. They just also might those... have taken on a lot of fucked up energy from other people. Exactly, exactly. And so, I mean, if she can attempt a self pleasure practice and it doesn't trigger her to go into a state of trauma, it's possible that it won't because her trauma happened from someone else. It's possible that she has the the trust in herself to be able to surrender in that way. But unfortunately, especially when it happened um, at a young age, and I mean, really, I guess at any age, when you were unable to stop yourself from being abused in that way, it is it can be very difficult to trust yourself even. That's the part mm -hmm. about rape that is so destructive is it's not just like that you don't trust men. It's that you... you in some way, it's like, I let this happen. Can I trust myself? So it right. depends on how she's processed the trauma, essentially. Some people are able to do a self-pleasure practice, but the second someone else walks into the room, oh my God. Or some people, it's like only men. I've I've worked with people who are bisexual and they've been they've been raped by a man. So they have an amazing sex life with women. And anytime a man is present, absolutely not. They shut down. So, I mean, it's a very individual thing. Mm hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, you've been super generous with your time. I also know that we have so much on here that we haven't talked about. Um, I guess, I mean, I'm also I'm happy to jam longer. I'm not I'm not in a All rush. Right, I'm enjoying this. Good. Let's, let's, let's keep jamming. Let's keep jamming. Then I think, um, yeah, in, in her situation too, to close that loop out, she was as a young girl, she lived her her, her dad needed to work. Her parents were split up. She was living with her grandparents. And her grandpa would do that to her. And then when she tried to tell her parents, her dad basically said she was lying, you know? Mm -hmm. So she was like in hell in, in, in that mm -hmm. situation. And then realized, so then she, she even started blaming herself, right? Mm -hmm. And um, her dad sort of gaslit her in the, in the whole thing. So it's super fucked up. Is there anything else that you want to share with women? We've talked about yoni mapping, the yoni egg, self-pleasure practice, uh, EFT practice trauma-informed EFT practitioners for people that have trauma in their past um EMDR if 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 EFT is not if the tapping is not a fit is there anything else that you want to share with the women listening before we move on to the men um I mean I would do, say do take a that bathroom think... break too <laughs> we can take a bathroom break okay all right let's finish the women I'm going to actually hit some ketones and take a bathroom break and then we'll pick up with the men if you're okay with that yeah, sounds great. Okay, cool. Um, I guess one thing that I would say for women is, and I mean, it's not at all a criticism. I am a woman, obviously, but uh, I really feel like we need to start empowering men to be men again, because this Me Too movement happened and it was extremely necessary, 100%, you know, um, and we've kind of... Uh, 
forced men into a corner where it's like, I'm a woman who I want a man to be a man. I want mm -hmm. him. And I know just saying those words could get me canceled these days, but like, I want a man in his masculine that's able to lead, that's able to make the first move. And um, a lot of men are feeling unsure of how to do that. And so, I mean, largely the responsibility lies with the men. And we'll get to that when we talk about men. And I train my clients in how to do this effectively uh, without causing trauma. But also um, this whole narrative of toxic masculinity, I think, is extremely short-sighted and skewed. And I think that it's a lack of masculinity that's toxic. It's not masculinity that's toxic because the reality is if a man like if one in four women are raped, it's it's a basic fact that one in four women are raped. So what, how many rapists does that, what rape, what percentage of men out there are rapists then, right? Everyone knows someone that's been raped, but somehow no one knows a rapist. That's it's, it's the problem. <laughs> that's is, a great point. Is, well, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not it's one statistical guy. Mismatch here. Yeah. <laughs> you think it's just one guy that has like a, you know, it's, it's so obviously that we'll get to when we talk about men, but, um, there are a ton of good men out there who simply don't know how to show up with women because they feel they feel attacked and demonized mm -hmm. for being in their masculine. And what I think women need to realize is that it isn't, a, like I said, it isn't masculinity that's toxic. It's a lack of it. So I think we need to get to a point where we're celebrating men that are in their masculine, inviting men into their masculine in, in deeper ways and doing whatever work is necessary so that you can choose to surrender to men who are worthy of being surrendered to. And you need to have amazing discernment. Absolutely. Um, because a lot of men, unfortunately, aren't. But like on the side of the feminine, what I think would be really useful is if we stopped attacking men, you know, it's like the pendulum has swung too far. I mm -hmm. think, you know, women didn't used to have rights. It used to be like, I mean, we could go, the whole rule of thumb, men could beat their wives, blah, blah, blah. Obviously we know that all of that is horrible. Like that is absolutely unacceptable, needed to be changed. Super grateful for that. But now I see the feminist movement has swung so far that it's disempowering femininity in anyone other than men. You know, I've had feminists call me out for wearing makeup and shaving my legs, you know, so I feel like this movement mm -hmm. of like trying to empower them, the feminine has gotten really twisted. And now we're disempowering women who want to be in their feminine and only celebrating femininity when it's embodied by a man, mm. you know? Yeah, it is so fascinating. sort of a, a weird little tangent, but um, I think that could be really useful. I think it's very useful. And I think I mean, how do you get there? There's a lot of ways and we'll, we'll pick up on with, with the men in just a moment. Cause I think there's a lot of things biologically that are happening with the plastics and the estrogen, um, mimickers mm -hmm. and the, the lowering of testosterone wow. that all plays a role too. In addition to, um, men just needing to step into their masculine and not, uh, sort of bring in a third party with their phone unless absolutely necessary, you know, uh, someone to sort of uh, handle the communication. Um, there's a song by John Prine called Spanish pipe dream. Have you ever heard it? it it's got, so. it's got some of the best advice, especially if you sort of parlay it to today for unplugging from the bullshit. I think there's a lot of people that are just, they've accepted the hive mind and I don't get into the, the politics, whether you're Democrat, Republican, liberal, whatever. 
if you're plugged in, if you're listening to your TV and and what the mass media is saying, and you're just regurgitating that, those those people are the parrots. They've they're no longer thinking for themselves. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking to those people. And what John Prine talks about in this song, it, the, the chorus. If if you guys want to listen to it, John Prine, Spanish Pipe Dream. But the chorus is, blow up your TV, do 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 do, throw away your paper, do 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 do, get yourself a garden, do 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 do, find, build you a home. You know, it just talks about like, get a family, make a family, find a good woman. You know what I mean? Like, grow your own food. Stop listening to the bullshit. Which much of it is much much of it is to distort and 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 to demonize and throw us off the path of love and connecting with one another. And it often it's the spells are cast through these devices, through the screens. Mm-hmm. That's how the occultist wizard Satanists cast their spells. And if that's where you're getting all of your information and you're not tuning into your own intuition, it's going to affect your life. You know, so I think to a certain degree, we have to be very discerning with what what we allow into onto our eyeballs. Where do we put our eyeballs and what do we uh, allow into our hearts and our minds? hundred percent. I mean, I think also John Mellencamp, is it, had the song Waiting on the World to Change, which I disagree with the premise because you don't wait on the world to change, like make the world change. However, uh, a line in that song is when you trust your television, what you get is what you got, because when they own the information, they can bend it all they want. Mm, You know, and I think it's really it's really important to realize that if you're if you're I, I would say that like the whole last three years, like what made, what was dangerous was your TV. Mm -hmm. COVID was not that dangerous. Your TV was dangerous, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, listening to what you were told was dangerous. Complying was extremely dangerous. Um, COVID statistically not that dangerous, you know, and And did it negatively affect, did did people die? Certainly. Um, Do people die of the flu? Absolutely. You know, and Um, and radiation poisoning is very real. Did, did, did anyone find it coincidental that while they were on lockdown and then came out of lockdown, all of a sudden there was towers everywhere? Did anyone notice that? 5G, 5G. <laughs> yeah. Wait, hey, 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 don't get a censored. <laughs> I want to share real quickly the three main reasons that so many people have horrible digestion and the subsequent downstream health consequences of a dysregulated digestive system. First, all of us have been drinking and showering in water that's loaded with chlorine and fluoride and bromide and a whole bunch of other chemicals that kill the healthy bacteria and other microorganisms in our gut. Number two, imagine you had to drink a cup of pesticide and herbicide, you know, Glyphosate, it's now in everything, and it's been in everything since the 1990s, but it goes one step further. Now you look at all of the technology that we have integrated into our lives. Now let's go back in time and imagine you're on the African savanna, and all of a sudden a lion comes out of the brush. What's your body going to do? It's going to spike the stress hormone cortisol, your adrenals, in communication with your brain are going to see this lion. They're gonna recognize that you are now in danger. Now the problem is 
were not on the African savanna and a lion didn't just come out of the brush, but we're doing that same thing to ourselves all the time. And it's part of the reason that so many guys can only eat one meal a day and they're having, you know, they're switching to carnivore. And if they have any carbs, their 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 digestion and their health is, is a wreck and their whole body gets inflamed. I can tell you also from experience that that doesn't go to a good place. And until we even have an idea of what is contributing to this situation, we can't fix it. And if you want help, that's what I do. I help people fix their gut and then get their body back functioning optimally. So if you want help with this stuff, you can go to biohackercoaching.com, fill out the short form, grab a time to talk with myself or someone from our team. That's biohackercoaching.com. Appreciate you guys. If you found this helpful or you know someone who's been struggling with digestive issues, please send it to them. And now back to the show. And we're back. I'm going to also throw in here that this episode is unofficially sponsored by Ketone IQ. Stuff's amazing. If you guys haven't tried it, it's uh, ketones are kind of like the fourth energy producing molecule. Most of the riders on the Tour de France are taking this stuff. It used to be thousands of dollars for a one ounce shot. And Ketone IQ from HVMN has actually made it much more affordable. And um, what I love about it, I haven't eaten anything today. Now, I'm not recommending that. It's like 520 right now. But it's allowed me to fast, get a workout in. I had to jump on a call before this, this podcast, and I just took a break to have a little bit more because it's going to be a while until I have dinner. And it keeps your body and your brain running fairly well without any food. And uh, and it also has a lot of health benefits in possibly protecting against the damages of radiation, which we're all exposed to in, in very high amounts. And um, there's applications for people that have seizures and all sorts of different things. So check out HVMN's Ketone IQ if you're interested. We've got a discount code biohacks there, and uh, I know you'll love it. We are back with Mika Michelle talking about sexual health and a variety of topics. Mika, how was your break? Uh, break was lovely. <laughs> <laughs> was there any practice that you that you utilized during your break? Um, I just pushed, a, I'm supposed to uh, have a date later this evening, and I just let them know that I may be a little bit late. Oh, boy. Fine. All right. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> Our listeners appreciate that very much. And we'll we'll keep it tight. I just, I, I wanted to, uh, I'm enjoying all of the wisdom that you're sharing. And I didn't want to leave the men out of this, too. Yeah, certainly not. Women have gotten certainly all sorts not. of and And it's reduced. totally, it's totally fine. I have, I have time. It's not a big deal. Okay. This guy, he's, he would talk to you in real life if you saw him? Uh, I believe so. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's talk about men a little bit and uh, some of the things that that you do for, you work with a lot of men, especially around erectile dysfunction, how trauma affects that. I think there are so many different things that are affecting men's sexual health. You know, I mean, I can tell you right now, if I take a shitload of Adderall, I will have erectile dysfunction immediately. Like it's just, that's, and, and and a lot of guys don't even recognize the connection between some of the things they're putting in their body and perhaps how it's affecting their nervous system or their biology or their chemistry. So can you tell us a little bit about some of the men that you work with and what you're seeing in um, help some guys that are dealing with erectile dysfunction or trauma around sexually or, you know, what your specialty is? Yeah, there? absolutely. Um, I mean, one of the things that I think is a huge gap is having a holistic approach to erectile dysfunction because it's essentially like not existent. Um, and it's treated as a physical issue, which 
in almost all cases, that is a misnomer. I always ask, I always ask a potential client, I'm like, okay, have you, do you occasionally wake up with an erection? Well, yeah. Are you able to get an erection watching porn? Yeah. Okay. So we know the plumbing works. <laughs> like it's not a physical issue. We know you have the capacity to get an erection. If you're able to get an erection watching porn, if you wake up with an erection, the issue is not your cock. It is not a physical issue. The issue lies in the way that a trauma is being uh, activated when you're in the presence of a woman. For a lot of men, because with women, sexual trauma is often rape and sexual assault and things like that. For men, uh, sexual trauma that there's so many, but I ask my, the, I ask clients like, Did you, have you had any sexual trauma? And so often they'll say no. And then it's like coming down the line. I learned like this was the, one of my clients. No, I haven't had any sexual trauma. And then as in our work together, I uncover that, for instance, um, he at the age of eight had to have his tonsils removed and he woke up and his cock hurt and they had circumcised him without his consent while he was under, for instance. Whoa. So like, that's messed yeah. Up. So, I, so I mean that, it, but I mean, circumcision in and of itself is a sexual trauma for a man. Absolutely. It's, it's totally unnecessary. It's, it's, it's genital mutilation. Barbaric. Yeah, it's genital absolutely. mutilation. It, it, there's no so, reason to do it. Absolutely. And so, I mean, that is a main sexual trauma that a lot of men deal with, as well as performance issues. So many men, their erectile dysfunction can start in, um, let's say they, they're in high school and they have to walk up to the chalkboard and they get an erection and everyone makes fun of them. And like, that is a sexual trauma. And a lot of men in that instance have related to their erection, like you will embarrass me, do not do that. And they essentially will themselves into having ED so that they don't have to experience that shame and trauma again. Well, maybe you shouldn't um, have been so attracted to the chalkboard. I'm just messing around. Or the teacher. <laughs> yeah, or the teacher. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I mean, or uh, I I worked with a, a guy who uh when he was 16, he went on a date with a girl and she essentially like they got in the back of her car and she took off his pants and he didn't immediately get hard and she yelled at him. And this guy was a virgin at the time that I started working with him and he was 33 years old. And mm. it was just, he had been dealing with erectile dysfunction ever since. So, you know, it's like for some men, it's one time they've drank too much, whatever the case may be, their cock does not respond the way they want it to. And then they build up anxiety about it every time things are escalating sexually. It's like, oh, is it not going to work again? Am I going to embarrass myself? Because that's a huge trauma mm -hmm. for men. Like for, for sure. women, our biggest fears, like if you, if you, this is like a statistical thing I find fascinating for women. Our biggest fear is like actual physical danger and assault and things of that nature. For men, their biggest fear is public humiliation. Mm -hmm. So for a lot of men, obviously not all. Um, but so having a sexual performance issue happen one time, and it could have been for any number of reasons, but then they get in their head about it. And then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, I've worked with so many clients where it's like, we're working on their relationship with our mother. And like, I've had that, I've had that in a, in a, uh, a testimonial where he's like, I don't get it. I was having like so many sexual performance issues and somehow we worked on like my mama issues and now I'm a stud in the bedroom. Like, I don't understand this, <laughs> but like the, you're not an island. Nothing about your life or your traumas are it, 
solid by themselves, you know? So working on your general traumas in life, but specifically ones that relate to sexuality, some of them not even, you know? One of the clients I worked with, we got down to his deepest root trauma that was causing all of this performance anxiety. And it was like when he was five years old, he told a joke and his dad said he wasn't funny. And like they were in front of some of his family. And so, so what I think a lot of men need to realize is that they are kind of lying to themselves about uh, the way that certain things are affecting them because it doesn't have to be some massive, sure, men get, men get molested and abused, certainly, but like there can be things far seemingly less traumatic than that, that can massively impact your sex life. Do you feel like, I I think, Freud or someone believed that most, I mean, he had a lot of weird beliefs. So I'm not, I'm not going there and saying Freud's like someone that I really look up to. And he's also ripping lines of cocaine while he's chatting with people, just being fucking weird. But that a lot of the trauma that men experience is related to their mother or issues, psychological issues, and and vice versa, women and their father. Is that something that you've seen in your practice or no? I would say more i would say more than 50% like if we're if we're looking at it that way but what i've noticed actually and often they say that you will call in a partner who's like your opposite gender parent right what i have noticed is you often call in a partner who will wound you in the same way that your parents did so um i definitely feel that there's a correlation but it's not it's not as cut and dry as freud made it seem in my experience but definitely i would say that a lot more of the stuff that i work with with men is related to their mother and with women their father but certainly not that's not like 100% of the time by any stretch of the imagination without any breach in confidentiality can you share any examples that you see with many male clients and their relationship with their mother that can lead to sexual trauma? Um, I mean, I would say even just the way that they interact, like whether or not they felt like they could trust their mother, whether like if they have trust issues with their mom, that will often bleed over into trust issues with the feminine. Um, I've had clients where their mother was extremely critical and sort of like berating them for every single little mistake. So they always feel like they're not going to measure up with women. So then sexuality is this huge game of anxiety. Like, what if I don't measure up and I'm just going to get berated for my performance? It's as simple as like if their mom was hard on them for performing poorly in a basketball game or even with their grades, that's essentially a woman ridiculing your performance you know um so it can play out in a lot of things like that as well i've noticed and how do you address it you know if if if, let's say some a guy had a mother that was overly critical how does he start letting that go to regain his sexual power and function well i mean i would say first is recognizing that it's a thing and acknowledging Mm. that that's affecting you yeah, bringing bringing consciousness to what was once mm-hmm. unconscious is some people's definition of tantra, you mm-hmm. know. So, um bringing awareness, you can have so many huge 
pops in like, oh, wow, that's why I'm this way. Oh, okay. Of course, I would feel this way in this particular situation. I grew up being ridiculed every time X, Y, Z. So then it's like you can have love and compassion for yourself. You can acknowledge why you have been having this repeated pattern. And then you can almost see like, oh, this isn't that I'm just a failure in this particular area. I am running my life based on incomplete information, you know, because so often as a kid, we don't understand the world around us. We, something will happen and we will create a belief in our mind from our extremely limited information, but we don't realize that we've done that. And we don't realize that that belief is completely false. But if you don't go back through and sort of examine the beliefs you've made up, you'll be living your life as if they're true because they're on a subconscious level. Yeah, you know? for sure. I, I'm going to share something that I experienced and it might help some of the guys here too. So there's something called five alpha reductase in, in the male biology that basically converts testosterone into a, an even more active androgen of DHT and different guys have different levels of five alpha reductase activity. What I found, this is how I sort of discovered it and started looking into it was when I would take things like curcumin or astaxanthin which are 5-alpha reductase inhibitors, they were basically boner killers. And not to be crass, I'm just used to saying that to guys and it's like weird to talk with guys about it. So you try to make it funny, um, yeah. <laughs> but it didn't feel right in this situation. Um, but I would have, I, I would have a, a, a difficult time getting hard. So I, I'm like, what is going on? Why, if I take a lot of curcumin or astaxanthin or some of these other things, am I not able to get hard? And so I did a Dutch test and pulled up and like, I have, really, really low 5-alpha reductase already. I'm like over on the 5-beta side. And then when I take 5-alpha reductase inhibitors, it makes it even worse. And then all of a sudden I'm not getting hard. I actually need more DHT. And so the opposite of that is like when I take things like creatine, then which increases DHT and moves, you you know, actually increases 5-alpha activity, then I feel great. So I'm mentioning that just for the guys that, because there's like, it wasn't like a trauma situation. It was just sometimes it would mm -hmm. stop working. And then I would notice it was certain supplements that, that were contributing. So that was one thing that was helpful for me that I just wanted to mention if there are guys listening, because I know there's so much, so many layers to this and it can be difficult to troubleshoot and figure out. And if you're, I mean, yeah. I think of a lot of guys, if you're on your phone too much, if you're just around too much radiation, it affects. Or keeping your phone in your pocket. Yeah. It's, it's going yeah. to affect your ability to get an erection and. And, and of course, your sex drive and everything along with it. Um, and then also there's, you bring up a good point. I'm struggling to remember the the name of the specific chemical, but it's a, an ingredient that's in some pre-workouts. And essentially, uh, if you've taken that pre-workout and if you have any alcohol or just like even more than a couple drinks, uh, it will respond in you. You're probably not going to be able to get hard. So a lot of guys don't even realize like they've went to the gym that day, they've taken his thing and now they go out and have some drinks. So, Whoa. um, I'm trying to, I'm I trying wonder. to remember what, um, what that was. This was, uh, I was nerding out with a friend of mine who told me he discovered this. Um, but this was a long time ago, so I can't remember what that is, I'm, but so it, it doesn't right even really, it doesn't even really matter what the one single thing is. What I've noticed is if it even happens one time and then a man gets in his head about it and yep. then it's like, oh, it's going to happen again. So whether it was something like what you said, that chemical, whether they just simply drank too much, I've noticed that if a man has an issue getting an erection one time, it will often compound itself just with his own anxiety about it. 
Totally, totally. There's a funny story about that too. I'm looking up it, beta alanine, nitric oxide. Uh, I think it was nitric oxide. I want to. I want to remember the full story. Th there are uh, nitric oxide agents like uh, arginine and citrulline. Would it be either of those? What I found, well, I thought I remember him saying nitric oxide, but I remember him just sharing with me that essentially he had he had taken pre-workout, had a couple drinks, had that experience happen, and then for six months was terrified about it. So it was like kind of reverse engineering whatever could have caused it and then realized that he thought it was this and just simply realizing that released a lot of the anxiety he had created it was essentially wow. this, the, the point of the story he had told me. Yeah. Um, Fascinating. That happened to one of my best friends in, and it was like in his early twenties, he, he was on a date and had a very embarrassing experience for him. Every date from there on out, he would take a Cialis beforehand because mm -hmm. he didn't want to have that experience again. And then our whole friend group, if someone was, if you were going on a first date or if it was like a new girl and you hadn't had sex and you thought you were going to have sex, you had to take a Cialis to not have my other friends embarrassing experience. I'd be like, oh, I'm going on a first wow. date. I really, I, you know, I really like this girl. And he's like, make sure you take a C-bat, you know, because of his experience. It became like a whole culture. It is. I remember <laughs> it was like hilarious. It was one of those things I posted as a hashtag things you overhear in Tulum. I was walking down the beach road in Tulum in 2020. And I just heard these two guys assessing what drugs they were going to do that night. And this guy was like, yeah, I'm going to take Somali, whatever. And this guy was like, yeah, I'm just going to take a Cialis and see where the night takes me. <laughs> that was what he said. And I was like... Wow. Okay. That's, but the thing is, then you become dependent on it. And then you, whether or not you even needed it, you start to believe that you did. And then if you ever go into a sexual experience and you hadn't taken one, then it's like, oh God, it's probably not going to work because I didn't even take a Cialis, you know? Um, mm -hmm. So I think having that, um, I have a freebie actually that will go over this. So people can, um, any of these listeners can go to power.mikamichelle.com and um, they can uh, download this freebie on essentially unlocking your sexual power. But it's like six hidden factors that um, that can kind of steal your sexual power for men. And this is one of them. That's awesome. Um, power.mikamichelle.com. M-I-C-A-M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E.com. Everyone knows how to spell power. Um, yep. Well, this has been fantastic. I mean, is there anything else that you want to share about sexual wellness, uh, things that relate to men, women that we haven't covered? I mean, we talked a little bit about dating app culture. Um, I have very mixed feelings. I mean, yeah, that. I feel like I could I could honestly talk about this topic for an indefinite period of time. So yeah, yeah I think really analyzing what traumas may be playing a part in your sexual health. That's a huge, huge factor that most men don't want to look at. And it will give you, I think, the most bang for your buck. But I mean, of course, there's there's supplements like Tangat Ali and uh, Pine like Pollen, even uh, Yohimbe, which I don't mm. recommend because I think it can cause severe heart stuff. Um, but uh, I took because I'll, I'll take any supplement. If I'm going to recommend it, I'm going to take it. And so I took Yohimbe and I felt like cracked out um, yeah there's i'm taking but, a little bit now getting in shape but it's alpha yohimbine and it's by raul okay. raul scene i don't know it's um but i'm also looking at i mean i'm ridiculous i'm taking a bunch of like things to accelerate fat loss and leaning out for some business stuff we're doing and it's i'm just like sweating all day long it, it's it's not a becoming look well, I mean, honestly, that's it's better than not because that's another thing that can play a real part in um, testosterone issues is um, fat. 
And like mm. obesity can contribute to like your fat, the way that your body produces and runs testosterone, the more fat you have on your body, the more you're impeding your own free testosterone. And different, even things like um, flaxseed, for instance, there's a lot of studies that would say that flaxseed uh, lowers testosterone. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's certain things that are, I feel like there, it is not an accident. I feel, and it depends on how conspiracy, I feel like I try not to go too deep in conspiracies because then people write you off uh, altogether. But like, I don't think it is an accident that testosterone, just if we tested the average male Today, his testosterone would be, I forget what percentage it is. I don't want to, I don't want to say the wrong thing and get called out, but like the average 40 year old man 50 years ago mm-hmm. had higher testosterone than the average 40 year old man today. Mm-hmm. And there's so many things that are being put in the food that are, I mean, even BPAs in your plastic, like drinking, drinking out of plastic water bottles, BPAs Mm -hmm. affect your testosterone. Obviously all of the, like having your phone in your pocket, so many different things. There's, um, in, in 2017, this uh, professor Charles Tyler did a whole talk on feminization of nature and unnatural history because he found that 20% of fish in a river in UK were transgendered to women. Like the male fish had become essentially at least hermaphrodite and often um, had some of them were even producing eggs. And he relates it to, um, I mean, that that's part of it as well as like there's so much birth control like essentially everyone being on so many pharmaceuticals and peeing it out there's a lot to say that a lot of these pharmaceuticals people are taking are making their way into the water supply so i mean Mm -hmm. do not drink tap water i think is Mm -hmm. number one for Or or shower in it yeah i i i loved i read somewhere have a filter or be a filter as far as your shower goes exactly we there's a guy that just Oh, sorry. Go ahead, please. No, 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 no. What were you saying? It was on the shower filter side. And then I'd like you to continue. I'd like to know what you were going to say. I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry about that. Um, He just, I met him at Category Kings at Russell Brunson's mastermind, and he had some gut stuff going on. We'd only been working together for two weeks. I got him, he was drinking tap water. He was showering in tap water, as was his wife and their little kid. We changed that out and made some simple dietary changes. We've just been doing stuff for his gut. He lost... 15 pounds in 14 days and the last five days he's lost a pound a day so he's lost five pounds in the last five days and it's been cleaning up his water and getting a lot of this junk out like tap water is uh dare i say poison it's, it's like i get it this is. is intense for people that haven't like gone down the rabbit holes that you and i have and been like oh my god it's fucking intentional i wrote the whole biohackers guide pointing out all these things and i was like and they don't know that fluoride's bad and they don't know that that glyphosate shouldn't be in our food and they don't know and i'm like oh they fucking know it's on purpose they're trying to poison you you know um, 100 i mean they give out awards for lowering I, the population right that was that was one of the things that i literally said to uh one of my best friends who he he's super nerdy on all this stuff and we were talking and i was like honestly i'm starting to think that the last three years have been a test they're literally just testing to see the the dosage of fluoride in the water and they're testing people's intelligence mm-hmm. like and they're because, like oh know, shit fluoride we, makes we gave them too much dumb and gullible yeah so that's what i said i was like well on the bright side i don't think we performed well so i don't think we 
we have to worry about them increasing the dosage of fluoride in the water. So like, they're like dial that's it, nice. dial it back. People are wearing masks while <laughs> we outside far, mowing we their lawn. Far. I saw a dude wearing a mask mowing his fucking lawn outside, and I was like, "Bro, come on!" I'm like, "Be better than that." It's like it's a fucking it's slave mask. It's so bad. And then essentially like what's happening with this transgender movement and what's fascinating is like I have now been called homophobic, which is hilarious because actually in in middle school and high school, if I heard you saying the word gay back when it was cool to say that word, I ruined your day. I wrote, in fact, a paper <laughs> in my multi multicultural perspectives class called GLBT. That's how long ago it was when the G came first. GLBT writes. And it was my whole entire paper on there was like, a why back then? obvious. Yeah, no, it used to be GLBT. Yeah, okay, GLBT because now it's LGBT because they want to put women first for once. But back in the day, it was GLBT. Yeah. Um, and so I wrote. She basically our assignment was to write uh, whether you were pro or against um, GLBT rights and then defend your answer. And I was obviously massively pro it. And she like she wanted to have my paper published. It was a whole thing. Um, so I have been pro LGBT rights my whole life. Like I've yeah. actually walked the walk like before it was cool. So mm. the fact that I've been called a homophobe is by like keyboard warriors that have never actually stuck up for uh, a gay person in real life. Like I've been suspended from school repeatedly for it. And and so what's happening is the pendulum has swung too far, you mm -hmm. know? And yes, obviously these people deserve their rights. But what I find fascinating is if you're looking at the transgender movement, there's not a huge amount of people getting a ton of fame for transitioning um into being a man as a woman being into a man but so much um fame for all of these men that are becoming women and then they're getting woman of the year we're literally celebrating the the absolute removal of masculinity in our culture mm -hmm. yeah you know and why because that makes us easy to control you know yeah and, and it so lowers I think the population really, all sorts of different things it's it's the inversion yeah. of god's creation now, I want to say this, which is I I looked at this situation and I said, like, how would God see this? And I think he would say, these are all my children, whether they're trans, gay, whatever. And a lot of this stuff is due to circumstances that are outside their control, chemicals in their water. These people have been mm -hmm. fucking poisoned, you know, yeah. and this movement may even be there's there's certainly parts of it that are legit. For if there's a legit person that is trans and and they want good, you're 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 still a child of God. You've done some things 100%. that I wouldn't do. I probably wouldn't leave my kid around that person, you know, if I had a kid. But I think that we need to acknowledge that that they are all children of God and that there are chemicals and things involved in this. And and at the same time, that this is a massive, massive agenda. And the spell is that they use screens to make it seem bigger than it is. And a lot of times, if you're getting bent out of shape about something, it's important to say, how much do I see this in my life, mm -hmm. in my actual life with my eyes in real life? It separates you from the spell, you know, the black mirror and and gives you a better perspective. And 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 I think on the spiritual level, part of the goal is to pull us into the lower vibratory, more negative emotions, fear, yeah. anger, jealousy, that sort of thing. And that's, I think if, if I find myself going there, I'm like, okay, I'm losing right now. My energy is like literally being drained. Why is that 
how what can I do to change it and bring it into love, joy, compassion, peace, and and, and some of those higher vibratory emotions. So I don't know. 100%. That's like percent. Yeah. And I I I have literally like I have um trans friends, several of them. I could go into so many stories about me actually like going toe-to-toe in a bar sticking up for a trans person. Like it's mm-hmm. it's I am in no way against trans people whatsoever. I celebrate everyone being whatever their truth is a hundred percent. And I don't think it's accidental that this is happening. If mm-hmm. fish in rivers are bec- becoming transgender due to the chemicals we're imbibing, it's mm-hmm. it's not an accident that suddenly this is happening at such a rapid pace. And mm-hmm. that doesn't make these people bad or wrong. Absolutely not. But I think mm-hmm. we need to realize that there is a lot of chemical toxins that are impacting us on a much deeper level than I think that we're acknowledging. Yeah. And I think that and then on the the then we're taking it too far and like we're so pro LGBTQ, which, yes, I'll always be pro that always. But like, no, we don't need to have drag queens reading to preschoolers, you know, like that. that, that, that that's just where it just gets into the sense, satanic again, you know? you know, and you're like, OK, that's just evil and and weird and wrong. Yeah. So it's like that's where I've where I've been called homophobe is I was like, but maybe we don't need to have uh, drag queens reading to preschoolers. And it's like, oh, that's homophobic. And I'm like, how is that homophobic? Like, why? No, it's not. You know, I will I will actually go toe to toe with someone in real life to stick up for a trans person. And I will also don't justify yourself to the fluoride people, the fluoride people. You know, they can clean it up. If, if if there's a florid person that's still listening to this episode, which is odds are pretty much zero, but get a get a filter that includes fluoride. Berkey makes them. There's a bunch of Berkey knockoffs. You can get a countertop filter. You can get a good I shower just, filter at Omico Organics. I just bought um, clearly filtered. I just bought that for my uh, my parents' house. They have like a one micron filter on the whole on the whole house system, but also it doesn't take out fluoride. So clearly filtered. Uh, does and it's like similar to a Brita, you know, it's like a pitcher type tap water thing. Nice, really, and it takes out the fluoride. Yeah, yeah. So you, I mean, you, you I think a lot of that. yeah, a lot of this stuff. I think we really and there is a specific attack on the masculine right now, and that's why mm-hmm. I'm so passionate about empowering men to step into their sexual power because sexually empowered men are not wearing these muzzles and are not complying with arbitrary rules and nonsense you know they're Mm -hmm. understanding like the more that you take your power back in your sexuality the more that you stand in your your sexual sovereignty and just power the less you're able to fall for this nonsense so it's like we really need men to be empowered i mean we need everyone to be empowered around their sexuality But like, I am so passionate about empowering men in their sexuality, because I feel like that is literally needed on a global scale right now to keep us from like, going over the cliff that we're very clearly headed for, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, dare I say, almost inevitable, it's highly probable that we're headed for a massive extinction event. Um, The good news is that a lot of the people that are listening to this, and, and taking some of these steps may not be included in that and we have the opportunity to create the new earth and even repopulate it or i mean i'm i'm a big believer in helping like one of the greatest things that happened recently is i was working with a couple in canada because they both had health stuff going on that they wanted to work on like gut issues and weight loss and this and that but the big thing was they're like we want to be able to have a kid and we haven't been able to have a kid for years we've been trying and trying and trying and um we worked together and six months i wanted to do it in six months and we were like so close and then we almost didn't do it. And then they just messaged me the other day. They're like, Hey, can we jump on a call? 
And I was like thinking about different things that we could do. And they're like, we're pregnant. And I was like, yes, yes. It was like the greatest news. You know, like I thought they were going to say like, hey, we're still working on it and blah, blah, blah. We're like, they're like, no, we're four months pregnant. And I couldn't have been happier. And, and so right now, until I meet the right person and start, you know, having a family of my own, I want to empower good people to have, they're like, the not the only, but they're like some of the only people in Canada that are like, F all this, you know, they haven't complied with anything and we need more of those and we need those people reproducing um, and, you know, freedom loving people. And, and one of my friends has got a hilarious Instagram account, um, Morgan Ariel. Uh, she was like, she was like, please unvaccinated men, like take care of yourselves because we're going to need you to repopulate the planet. <laughs> it's yeah, like, if, if you haven't 100%. seen like, she's often shadow banned, but her stuff is hilarious. And, uh, I mean, it, it's, it's, if you're, if you're not on some level of shadow ban these days, you're probably like you and I said earlier, probably not talking about anything that matters. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's one of the big things is like, can, can we all just, if Bill Gates recommends it, can you just run the other direction please yes. from now on? If like, it's called smart, recommend it. run away. It's dumb. Yeah. Yeah. Like absolutely. Please people start thinking for yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, because I think that a lot of this stuff is, is very obviously designed to disempower us at very specific levels. And I think sexuality is a really big one that they're taking out. And there've been so many studies on what, like, it looks like polarity as a whole on this planet is just being erased. And like, if there's, there's nothing wrong with non-binary people, I have tons of non-binary friends and polarity exists in the world. It's like one of the laws of nature, mm -hmm. you know? And we need to celebrate that when that's true. And we need to uh, empower people to feel and embody their sexual power and express it because like, we're going to need a lot of people to repopulate. And, you know, I have some theories around what just happened in the last couple of years and what may unfold, but that's for another time. But I, I agree with what your friend said fully. <laughs> totally. Totally. I think we'll, we'll have to do a part two. And guys, if, if you've enjoyed this, I was going to say, reach out on Instagram, but I'm getting ready to just drop my Instagram, reach out to Mika on Instagram and tell her that uh, you want us to do a part two, if you've enjoyed this. And her uh, account again is Awakened Sexuality. Uh, her website is MikaMichelle.com. She's got that freebie for you at power.mikamichelle.com. I think we've got some sort of biohacks discount code. Yeah. Yeah. For the erect group that? program. Okay. Yeah, my um my group program for men overcoming erectile dysfunction, which if you go to my website, it's pretty much all geared towards that. So you'll see the webinar, you'll see the details on it. Um, but that is the enrollment is now open and I will be launching that in uh the first the first part of next year. I like to um have a, a very relaxing Q4. So I'm taking Me enrollment too. now and then that'll <laughs> that'll launch uh, the beginning of next year. And if you put in biohacks at checkout, um, there's a hundred dollars off. Sweet. Fantastic. And but what I should say is uh, to make it clear for the for this first round of my group program, I will only be accepting 21 participants. So get on it quickly because it's it's full at 21 is the cutoff. So um yeah, and biohacks gets you a hundred bucks off. Sweet. And uh why did you pick the number 21 out of curiosity? I know there's a reason. Um well many because I'm I'm like a nerd about numbers, but also because part of the way that I have it set up um 
because you always often you see in group programs, you have accountability buddies or like a buddy system. What I found works a lot more effectively is actually a triad so that, you know, if somebody is somebody is out or what 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 may have you, um, it's actually a lot more impactful. So that I, I group them in threes, essentially, instead Very of twos smart. so that they have their own little triads. That, so I wanted it to be a multiple of three. Cool. And is there anything else that you feel called to share right now with our listeners, men, women, anybody, um, before we kind of sign off? Um, I mean, keep staying in your power around this stuff, thinking for yourself. And if you're dealing with trauma, which literally every single person breathing is, um, please empower yourself, whether it's with uh, an EFT facilitator, whether it's with me or whether it's with a counselor of any time, please prioritize healing yourself because we all need, we need all of us right now to be like standing in our power and allowing your trauma to run your life is, is going to be the downfall of that. So please do the healing work empower yourself think for yourself and um i highly recommend Ooh, this is what i would love i would love if every one of your listeners that listens to this starts doing a self-pleasure practice daily or minimum of five times a week gets themselves up to a level eight if 10 is orgasm gets themselves up to a level eight and then waits at least 30 minutes, preferably longer than that, but starts using the sexual, the, their sexual pleasure practice as a way to like go to the gym if that's what they've been putting off and then reach out to me on Instagram and let me know how it goes because I really love hearing the success stories. Just that one practice can change your whole life. That's pretty brilliant. I like that a lot. This has been a very fun conversation. And um, guys, if you've enjoyed it as well, then show your support by uh, reaching out to Mika on her Awakened Sexuality Instagram account and go to MikaMichelle.com and and take action, take responsibility. Mika, thank you so much for your time and energy and wisdom. My pleasure. Thank you. It's been really fun. Let me know if you guys have been experiencing more of any of the following than you used to. Brain fog, difficulty staying focused, fatigue, muscle weakness or changes in balance and coordination, mood fluctuations, apathy or lower motivation, sleep issues, changes in sex drive or function, or increased sensitivity to certain foods, or just more digestive stuff going on in general. Now I ask because these are all warning signs that your brain may be struggling. Any one could be an early indicator of serious things to come. And if ignored or left unchecked, especially if you're experiencing more than one, these could significantly increase your risk of dementia, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, these neurodegenerative diseases uh, that include cognitive decline. The secret to unlocking the full potential of your brain comes down to three simple steps. One, precision diagnostics. This is why in our coaching program, we use the most sophisticated brain and neurocognitive testing on the planet. You then fix the deficiencies, those hormones, neurotransmitters, and nutrients that may be out of balance. And then you clean up the toxins, the stress, and the inflammatory microbes that may be interfering and making the whole process less efficient. I'm gonna do two crazy things that I've never done before. I'm offering a 100% money back guarantee, meaning if you follow the prescribed game plan that you and I create together and don't experience a significant trackable measurable improvement in your memory, processing speed, mental clarity, mood, and quality of life, I don't want your money. I wanna give you a full refund. But stick with me because I'm gonna level it up even more. 
if your increased energy, brain health, and mental performance doesn't help you earn at least as much additional income as you invested in the program, I'm also willing to give you a full refund. I wanted to do this so that you know that you have absolutely nothing to lose, everything to gain. If you want to level up, go to biohackercoaching.com. Thank you.